Hello and welcome to the Leathercraft Masterclass podcast. Welcome back, guys. Um, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been, well, uh, a couple of months at least until the last one. I don't even know, actually. I'll have to check that out. But I know it's been a while and it has been probably one of the most requested uh, DMs that I get on Instagram. Is where is the podcast? When's the podcast coming back? I get emails as well. When's the podcast? Uh, you know, it, it, it's been a busy period. It has been a really busy period um, with the new forum, which has been amazing. So much engagement on there. I'm really pleased with how the forum has been. If you haven't seen the forum, go check it out on leathercraftmasterclass.com. Uh, probably where you're listening to this now, uh, unless you're on Spotify. But check it out. Check out the forum. Sign up. Say hello. It's really, really good. I've enjoyed it immensely so far. New courses, of course, the box making course, that was a rather elaborate course, and uh, there was a lot to that, and that was to kind of please people that are a little bit more advanced, but also it was workable for people who are very, very basic with their leathercraft knowledge, so that took a long time to kind of design and produce and everything, and the new forum, something had to give for the time being, so I decided to put the podcast on ice, because it generated kind of the least engagement. There were people that really loved it, but the analytics weren't that great. The weird thing that I, I can't explain is as soon as I stopped making podcasts, according to my analytics, the, <laughs> I was going to say the viewership, but the, the amount of listens that it got skyrocketed. It was the weirdest thing. And then just so many people emailing me, DMing me, where is the podcast? When's the next podcast coming out? Almost like it, it got some kind of cult following, but <laughs> it's, which is very flattering, very, very flattering. But it was, it's strange that as soon as I stopped doing it, the, it like not triple, it went up five times within a few weeks, which was really odd. I can't explain that one, but, uh, it's back. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I'm really, really pleased. There's uh, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. There's new products coming this year as well. So I'll be producing products. That's taken up a, a huge amount of time. And that's something I've been working on for about two years. So that's, uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, really looking forward to that. But what it is, you know, you won't be able to guess what it is. But I'm remaining tight-lipped about what those products are until everything is ready to go. But hey, it's a work in progress. It was nice over the new year, Christmas time, new year. It was a really good time to just take a few days to slow down a little bit and reflect. I, I'm a business owner and having your own business, owning your own business, as many of you who are also business owners out there will know, you don't really get a lot of time to yourself. It's very difficult to set aside time where you can really think and ponder and make lifelong decisions or decisions about where you want to go with your future and what you want to do and and come up with new creative ways to prove yourself and your business and bring about some personal growth. But for me, it was a really good time to just take a few days and think about where I'm going, what I want to do with this business, 
the courses obviously are a hit they're going nowhere that's never going to change i really enjoy doing it for a start and it helps so many people and it's it's great that i can do something to give back to the craft and the community of people who are passionate about what i do as well and that's something that i will always keep but moving forwards i think some changes in my craft personally i want to go further back in time and when i say further back in time i've come across two or three even books the, from the late 1800s early 1900s and i've given some real time to reading them and understanding them that's the weird thing about old books if ever you pick up an old book you'll have you know 10 pages where it's explaining how to do something that is extremely visual <laughs> in an old world language is so difficult to understand what they're saying but i really really kind of got into it and i wanted to learn more about the way things used to be done in olden times we should say the way it used to be done over a hundred years ago and i've really got an appreciation for lost crafts not that leatherwork is a lost craft obviously but there are more things in leatherwork than have been lost than i think people know now there's so many different materials, there's so many different techniques, there's so many different tools. You, the mind absolutely boggles the amount that has actually been lost. And I've decided I want to go a little bit less modern in what I do, in the way I work with tools and the way I work with leather, not necessarily towards courses because people like new things. But for me, making leather goods I've decided that I want to go back to traditional pricking irons instead of stitching irons and traditional tools, tools that are purchased online, on eBay, on other auction sites, where I've got vintage tools that I can refurbish and bring back to life. There's something, I guess, romantic about that. I think there's so much history and heritage to these tools and the way to use them is, is getting lost with new and shiny things all the time. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all for progress. But what really gets me going is the thought of using vintage tools that some collector would probably just take and not touch to keep it authentic. But taking these vintage tools, uh, doing them up and bringing them back to work. Not just back to life, but back to work and using them on your leather goods. And you'd be amazed the difference. Recently, I did a, a, a restoration of a Dixon's Pricking Iron. The, the stitch just looks different. It really does. I mean, there's such wide prongs. It really gives great angles to it. That's just something that I found modern pricking irons don't give as much of. And you can get a really good looking seam from a vintage iron but it needs restoration it essentially needs love it needs you to survive and bring it back to life and there's there's something romantic about that i i really enjoy it and it's i think everybody should get hold of a vintage tool refurbish it bring it back to life because there's a little bit of you there's a little bit of you that goes into that tool there's a little bit of sacrifice and that sacrifice is time and sweat and probably a little bit of research too but there's something where you know when you've got skin in the game and you've invested something into bringing something back to life 
you love it more. You know, it's almost like a relationship. The more you put into a relationship, the more you get out of it. There's something, there's something I like about that. There's something I find that's interesting about taking something that was going to die, bringing it back to life and seeing continued use of it. And I want to start doing more of that. I really, really enjoyed it. I got a lot of attention as well from people, uh, not attention, engagement from people that were really interested in in how I restored that pricking iron. It's fairly simple, really, but it was... I've never seen a video of someone doing it before, so I think there was a lot of people that were very interested in in restoring tools and, and learning how to do it. And it's something I'm learning about. But I've decided to order more, um, so I'm going to be stocking up more vintage tools, not just pricking irons, but the, a plethora of different things that I can do up. The older, the better, because there's something really nice about that and keeping something alive uh, rather than just recreating it with modern tools and modern pricking irons because a lot of these tools were from an era where people had a much higher level of knowledge of craft. That's the interesting thing is these tools were made specifically for people who had years and years and years of experience and if you created a tool that wasn't up to the job it just it would cease to exist it wouldn't it just wouldn't be made so these manufacturers like Barnsley and Dixon's and a few others that have gone out um, they they had so much knowledge of what actually works and uh, today you can get better steels that you can make certain things better but you can't you just can't machine experience and that's that's what I really love about these tools is when you start using them, you're like, yes, I, I know exactly why it's that shape now. Because somebody who probably had years and years and years of leatherworking experience, working in saddlery, working with luggage and leather goods, helped to design that tool. Whereas today, there's there's a little bit less of that. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking over Christmas and New Year's. I want to kind of keep heritage alive a little bit more than just making leather goods by hand. I want to promote the use of heritage brands that are still going. I want to promote the use of vintage tools, regardless of whether that company is still alive, because I think there's something important about that. Hankering for the, you know, the latest pricking iron that's the sharpest, that has the thinnest prongs that can that's the, the most polished and you know I'm, I'm all for that and i understand it and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but i think we're losing something in the process by trying to find the easiest ways to do something that is technically quite hard to do which is making leather goods we've decided to do something by hand we've decided to invest our time blood sweat tears research it's it's a sometimes a love hate relationship with the products that you're making because they've incredibly frustrating when things don't go right and then when you figure it out you're on a high for the rest of the day you know that's passion it's love and hate and and it's a roller coaster it's not all about just being for me happy all the time i want to be challenged i want to get pissed off i want to find a way of doing something and just get elated where i want to tell everyone about it and you know that that's what that's what being passionate about something is when you think about a passionate relationship you know, it's not just, they're just both happy with each other. That's not what passion is. And and for me, it's I, I love the challenge, the frustration, the highs and lows alike when it comes to leather work. And that's what really keeps me going. It's the challenge, it's meaningful work. So, you know, digressing a little bit, but what, what I'm really saying is I'm, I want to keep things more traditional in the work that I do 
from now on and that just means vintage tools i'm also i'm quitting polyester guys i'm quitting polyester that's you know <laughs> big news i'm going back to linen i'm exclusively going back to linen i'm not saying i'd never use polyester i think there are times when yeah, there there are situations where sometimes you know using polyester is going to be better um, depending on, you know, if it's an outdoor rugged product that's going to be wet continuously and gets a lot of abrasion, then, you know, I might even go beyond polyester, but there are uses for it. But I have personally decided that I'm going back to linen. I have been using it more recently. I'm kind of falling in love with it all over again, because that's where I started out when I started making leather goods. We were going back about 10 years now. And then I discovered polyester and I was like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's more consistent and it's uh, sometimes easier to stitch with and it's stronger and all this kind of thing. But that's uh, that's not what leather work for me personally is really all about. It was about bringing back and keeping alive a heritage that is on the brink of being lost. And I think sometimes with we're adding things that are a bit more modern with you know reinforcements and we're adding more modern uh, tools and we're adding more modern threads and it's it's almost like yes we're keeping his history and heritage alive but it's a death by a thousand cuts it's not the the little ones that kill you it's an accumulation of them there's like you know we're, we're moving away from aniline dyed leathers we're going more pigmented and then we're putting these super reinforcements on the inside made with all these crazy modern materials and then we're stitching it with polyester thread and then you know edge paint is going on the outside uh, i don't have a problem with edge paint specifically but it, it it is kind of going towards losing the heritage but just really slowly and you don't notice it happening because it's too slow and after a while we'll be technically doing something traditional but it's nothing like they did 100 years ago with you know completely different materials completely different way i'm all for what gets me really excited is doing something with traditional tools made in a traditional way but for the modern person like you know using tools that are over 100 years old with traditional techniques with you know wax linen threads edge finishing in a traditional way and the whole thing is made for the latest laptop with you know a, a slot in there for your iphone 10 you know <laughs> it's just there's something about having something so traditional yet it's made for the modern person but we're still doing it in a traditional way it doesn't look old the design might be a lot more modern but we've kept the core we've kept the soul of it which is something that's very important to me so i i find that over the past few weeks i've had a lot of reflection time and i've decided to change the way i do things and change is important because we're all constantly evolving, doing things the same way, having the same thoughts about things, maintaining the same opinions about things and, and not letting your mind budge on things that you hold as a core value, allowing them to adapt and evolve over time with your craft as well. So I think I want to go more traditional with the tools, the materials and, and you know, little things like changing to linen thread. That's important to me. So that's that's where my mind is right now. Something else that I wanted to talk to you about today is being as it's a new year, new year's resolutions and all that kind of thing. I'm not I'm not really big on only 
making changes to my lifestyle, whether it be personal development, whether it be losing a bad habit, gaining a good habit, exercise and nutrition, I, I don't think it shouldn't necessarily be left for the new year. I think it's a time where it will remind you to think about your life a little bit more about where you're going, what you're doing, are you doing something that's right for you, are you doing something that's wrong for you, and and that's a great thing about New Year, is it is a good time to ponder, because you have some time as well between Christmas and New Year's, where sales might be slow if you're a business owner, or you have time off if you're employed, so it is a good time to reflect about how the year has gone, and what you want to change about the New Year, and what I just talked about is is one of the main things for me, but I also wanted to talk about goals and goal setting. It's something that I've touched upon in previous podcasts. But I think it's one thing having a goal of what you want in your future. And it's another thing clearly defining it to the point where you can see it, you can taste it. You can imagine yourself in that situation, the sights, the sounds, what you can hear, where you're almost there. It's like a a really clear visualization of where you want to end up. And I see there's a lot of people that are struggling with their businesses to make sales in leather goods uh, and whatever products that they're selling because their goal was very vague in the sense that they said, okay, my goal is to give up my job and start producing leather goods in my home where people would order stuff I would make it, I would ship it off to them and the whole world would just leave me alone. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and, and that may end up coming to fruition, that, that may end up happening. But when it happens, what's next? Because you're going to get very bored just doing that after a while. You have to think about the end game. What is the end game? What do you really want out of this? What do you really want to achieve what do you really want to be challenged by what do you really want to learn who do you really want to become and i i've started to work more and more on writing things down things not just ideas and things like that but what i want from life where i want to be in six months a year five years ten years way further down the line where do i want to get and how much do i want to achieve and who do I want to be as a human being? And I found that the more clearly, and this is obvious, but when you really think about it, it does make sense. The more clearly defined your goal is, the more likely you are to achieve it. Because you can then put your head right up in the sky and you know reach for something that you think or other people might think is way beyond your abilities to obtain. And then work back from that. So have something that you honestly really want, not, you know, just because it's a big achievement. I want to, you know, earn a million or I want to have three businesses or I want, you know, to open a shop in London or Paris or whatever it is. Think, think big and then work your way back from that. Okay, so that's what I want to achieve for my business. That's why I want to be earning. That's what I want to be creating. That's where I want to be living. And then go, okay, so that's 10 years in the future. In the meantime, how can I get there? How would I need to raise the money to do that? What skills would I need to learn? What would I need to change about my life? What would I need to drop? What would I need to gain? Who do I need to associate with? How can I facilitate that? Where do I need to be to get that? 
and then start working out a formula of how you're going to achieve it. And I think it's it's becoming painfully obvious now that the more organized I am about what I want to achieve, the more likely it's going to happen and the more these things just start happening in the meantime and opportunities just start popping out from areas that you didn't realize that, you know, an opportunity was going to pop out from. And it has been, you know, a really exciting time. I mean, you just heard me talking about wanting to go back to being more traditional and using traditional linen threads. Well, I just thought, okay, so I've, I've pretty much tried them all. I've tried Campbell's, I've tried Crawford's, I've tried Barber's, Somac, I've even tried Gutterman linen threads. And none of them, in my mind, none of them hold a candle to Lin Cablet. They just don't, there's just nothing out there that can hold a candle linen-wise. I mean, in a previous podcast, and if anybody's a member of the Golden Oil Club, you would have seen the pictures of it, where I disassembled um, some Chinese linen thread that everybody seems to be hot for at the moment. There's multiple brand names for it, but it's made by one company. I put it into, uh, for those of you who don't know, I put it into a solvent and dissolved the glue that was holding it together because it's bonded thread. Um, I dissolved it and then very, very, very carefully untwisted all the threads and pulled them apart and measured them. And there's no way that that is genuine flax. So linen thread, flax linen thread, genuine flax linen thread, there's nothing that holds a candle to Lin Cablet. Because a lot of these Chinese threads are just made of, I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, they're only just over a centimeter long and they're all glued together. It's very, very strong, but how long is that glue going to last? And, but that's a whole different podcast, uh, which has already been done. And for those on the Golden Oil Club, I did uh, a write-up about it and with pictures too. But I'm interested in the heritage and the history. And there's something about Lin Cavlet, the history behind it, how long it's been produced for, and Saju bringing or bringing that brand back to life again. It's just such a wonderful story that it's a no-brainer that I just want to use exclusively Linkablay. So I thought to myself, okay, what would be better than just using that brand? And I thought, mm, being involved with that brand somehow. I don't know what, I don't know how, but I'd like to work with them. So I contacted Saju, I sent them an email thinking, what have I got to lose? I'll contact them, say who I am, what I'm interested in doing, the kind of uh, heritage and history that I'm impressed with about their company, and I'd like to help prom to promote their brand. And I got an email back, and they were interested in seeing my website, they wanted to see some of the courses that I produce, they were interested in learning about me, uh, which was really humbling, and they ended up giving me a call and I had a really nice, I've had several calls with them, really nice chat, re wonderful people there. And I just thought, this is, I really want to be involved with these people. And they're sending me a care package. They're sending me a bunch of threads with a, a surprise in there. Um, I've no idea what it was, but I'm very excited. I love surprises. They obviously know me well. But that that's exactly what I'm talking about. And now I have the chance to work with such a wonderful brand with such history and heritage that I absolutely love, and they're excited to work with me as well. And that's to me, that's crazy. It's crazy, but it's about obtaining these crazy goals. 
because I'd been thinking about that for about, not even their life, probably about six months to a year before I even executed and, and had the balls to email them with the audacity to ask to work with them. And they were just, absolutely, no, we've been, uh, we're, you know, we were interested in working with you. We like your stuff. We love your website. We like your videos, your YouTube channel. And I was thinking, if I hadn't have sent that email, or if I haven't, hadn't have had the audacity to think that they would want to work with me in some way, because if you don't try, you will never get. If you don't ask, you will never get. But if you're going to ask, always make sure that you have some kind of value to give. And that's, that's most important. If you want to build a relationship with a brand or a company or a person or a client, always have something to give. You need to give first and make sure that you can bring value to them. But it, it just brings me back to wanting to work with a heritage brand like that. It just blows my mind. And I think having these goals of what you want to achieve in life, every little step like that that comes up, which is a big step forward for me, my goals, I then rethink them and then make them even more unachievable. I think if people were to download my mind, well, first of all, you need to clear your browsing history afterwards. But if you were to <laughs> download my mind, people would think, that's just such a ridiculous goal. How are you ever going to achieve that? But I think every time that you achieve a milestone, every time you take a big, even a little step forwards in you, your growth, your business, rethink your goals, think about them again, and then make them even more crazy, even bigger, even more unobtainable. Because if you keep chipping away at whatever you want to achieve, you will eventually get there. If you're doing one thing every day, if you're practicing your craft, if you're getting better, if you're sitting down and, you know, just improving the way that you stitch, meaningful practice all the time on everything you do, taking the time out to go, today, I want to get my stitching better. Today, I want to improve my, my pairing skills. Today, I want to test out different glues on what's the best one for gluing vegetable tan leather to creme tan, whatever it is. Think about meaningful practice. Think about doing something that's going to elevate you, your skills, your business, your life, and then execute upon that every single day. And that's my best advice. And that's advice that has come from questions that I've received in DMs, questions that I've received in emails about some of these things that I'm talking about today. So I thought I would, uh, I thought it's high time that I put out another podcast because I really do enjoy doing these, um, but it just takes so much time to do and something had to give over a busy period for me, but I'm back doing them now. And it is definitely something that I love doing. And I know you guys have uh, been eagerly awaiting. I have plans for the podcast and um, for some new things going forwards. Again, everything in due time, but I am looking to make it a little bit more exciting. So we'll see what uh, the future brings. But in the meantime, think about your goals. Think about where you want to be and then do one thing every day that gets you closer to that. In the meantime, thank you for listening, guys, and I will see you soon.